2: Zumo
1: play. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm
0: Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about lamb
1: shaped Easter treats. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which I knew nothing about. Okay. Um, Prior to this, I'm familiar with like the concept of shaping things, (laughs) you Uh, know, uh Um, I'm more familiar with like peeps, I guess. Okay. But I this idea isn't new to me. However, this whole thing was very, very new to me. (laughs) And the pictures, listeners, if you you Don't know what we're talking about, you have to look up the pictures. I'm not giving you a choice, you have to look them up. I'm <laughs> sorry, but they will give you a, a mix of delight and and like unsettledness. Yeah, but I just really recommend
0: It's It's really deep into the uncanny valley of, <laughs> of lambs, um, that we are delving today. Yeah, it's it's really, I uh, this is like primarily a a Catholic tradition. And that is one branch of religion that I am very unfamiliar with. So, so I don't, um, and religion and religious custom. Um, so yeah, I don't have any personal experience with this, but I guess a few years ago I started like hearing tell or seeing tell of, of, right, these cakes and butter molds
1: of lambs.
0: And I was like, what, what about that?
1: What about that indeed? Uh, I still have questions along those lines. Uh, we were discussing pretty in depth before this how to cut and eat one of these cakes. Right. Because it seems it seems a little bit macabre, no matter how you slice <laughs> it, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> <I don't know>.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. And they have like these cute smiles on their face a lot of the time. I don't know. It's beautiful and disturbing all at once. Yeah. 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 Also, I just want to put this in here. This is one of the few episodes that we've ever done. And we're in like the hundreds now. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I kept getting redirected to a rock radio station website as a source.
0: Yeah. um, It's not super uncommon for me to run across a radio station articles Mm. uh Mm -hmm. in in my reading but but this one very heavily referenced this one radio station yeah
1: yeah and it was very funny in my opinion because you'd be like "Ooh, easter lamb cakes and then you'd be like 100.5 rock (laughs) (laughs) uh would be the source they would direct you to it was just an interesting experience on many levels yes absolutely Okay, well, <laughs> I guess that brings us to our question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lamb mold shape things. What are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, many food products can be molded or otherwise shaped to resemble other objects, and lamb shaped foods. Uh, are foods molded or otherwise shaped to resemble lambs? There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, the lambs are generally in a seated position. They're, they're little legs like tucked up underneath them. Um, they're either facing straight forward or to their right, never to their left. I've never oh, seen no. a molded lamb facing to its left. Anyway. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, In many traditions, uh, lambs are symbolic of springtime and blessings and innocence and sacrifice and Christ, and so for spring holiday celebrations, This this symbolism wound up being extrapolated out over the centuries to all kinds of products. Uh, Plaster lambs for table centerpieces, uh, sugar or chocolate or marzipan lambs for Easter baskets, butter lambs for the dinner table, lamb-shaped cakes for dessert. Um, Some people carve their own lamb shapes, especially in butter, but there is a whole sub-industry of lamb-shaped molds to create these foods. Um, If you're making a butter or chocolate lamb, the molds are usually going to be wooden or aluminum or plastic. Um, They come in various sizes ranging from the perhaps most common ones that hold about a stick of butter, like a quarter pound or about 110 grams, um, down to like wee little single serving molds um, up to full pound varieties. Uh, Lamb candies have all kinds of regional variations. One I kept reading about um, is the Sicilian tradition of marzipan lambs um, that are filled with a sweetened ground pistachio. Ooh. Sound really good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're making a lamb cake, uh, the molds are usually going to be either cast iron or aluminum. And generally, what you're looking at is is a single mold in two pieces. Um, A deeper one that contains the lamb's uh, snout, and front-facing side. These are in your right-facing lambs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a more shallow one that will be the lamb's back-facing side. All right? So what you do here is you set the, uh, the the front-facing mold face down and fill it with cake batter. Then place the back mold on top of it. And as the cake rises in the oven, it fills out the back mold. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, the back <laughs> mold has these small vents for steam to escape through you generally want to secure it in some way so that the rising batter doesn't just dribble
1: out of the bottom mold. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. There are oh, a there, lot of there, reasons. <laughs>
0: there, are many, <laughs> there are many potential pitfalls in making this type of cake. Um, mm. uh, at any rate, um, these molds typically hold about six cups of batter, which is about the same volume as an eight-inch uh, round cake pan. Or, like, half the volume of a 10-inch square pan, if either of those give you a concept of the size of this sort of mold. It helped me visualize it anyway. I don't know about all y'all. Um, and, yes, everyone on the Internet kind of agrees that undertaking this is hilarious and ill-advised, but terrific. Uh <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. <laughs> so recipes
0: will recommend um, any number of different tricks, like, right, like a tying the halves of your mold tightly shut to prevent that leakage, um, or perhaps using uh, toothpicks in the ears and neck for stability. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or perhaps uh, buttering and flouring your pan, like, to the nth degree, or not even just buttering and flouring the pans, but fully Brushing them down with shortening, heating the pans to melt a- and coat them with shortening, and then cooling them completely to set that layer of grease inside the pan. Dang. I had never heard of that method before, and I love it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, and yes, these how-tos are fabulous. Um, I-, I couldn't resist putting in a couple quotes from a couple of my favorite quotes that I ran across today. Um, one, <laughs> this first one comes from uh, from Bridget Brown blogging for EstateSales.net, And she she had the recommendation to buy candy eyes for decorating the lamb with uh not like all over, j- just on the eye part. Yeah, but they they mm-hmm. kind of look like googly eyes. All right. And and she said, quote, your lamb will look like a muppet. She then quotes one uh, Kenneth uh Jarosh or Yarosh of Chicago's uh Jarosh or Yarosh bakery. I'm sorry I didn't look it up. Um uh he said, The eyes are the hardest part. We've always tried to make a respectful looking lamb. They end up looking quite serious, almost reverent. Brown then continues, If you're confident in your piping skills, you might consider a more solemn sheep, but I was quickly becoming very aware of my limits. And besides, the Muppets are awesome.
1: Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. A respectful looking lamb. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They end up looking quite serious.
0: Almost, Almost reverent. reverent. Um, having oh. looked up photographs at uh-huh. um joshbakery.com, I feel like this was sarcasm. But I could be <laughs> I could be wrong. I yeah. either way, they make beautiful looking lamb cakes.
1: They are spectacular. Very
0: lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my second quote is from um from uh, from Ruth who was writing for midcenturymenu.com who um was talking about the recommendation of adding internal support before baking right um, she said One of the recipes that was photocopied from a major cookbook and sent to me stated, in a matter-of-fact way, that the head of your lamb cake was bound to roll off and to not worry about it. It claimed that you could just use toothpicks and frosting to glue it back together and everything would be great, which is sort of a lie. Anyone who has ever made a lamb cake and had the head come off knows it is a delicate procedure to get it glued on. You need a whole lot of sticky frosting and a couple thousand toothpicks, and when you're done, the lamb looks like it's wearing a neck brace. And even after a patch job, you are nervous come serving time. Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> that sounds terrifying in multiple ways. You know? Head rolls this. off. You have to do surgery on the cake, and then you're scared to serve it. And then you gotta be scared, yeah, there's gonna be toothpicks right in the mouth. Right? Right. Wow. Anyway. Uh <laughs> the
0: type of the type of cake actually used in these molds can vary, um, but it's generally something that can stand up to uh, to standing up. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Pound cake, bunt cake, uh, sponge cakes are all common. The cake could be frosted with a creamy white frosting that's sort of swirled to resemble wool or dusted with shredded coconut. Um, and then, right, given little like chocolate drop or raisin or jelly bean eyes and, and little little noses. In the European and perhaps especially Czech tradition, uh, they're more likely to just be dusted with powdered sugar rather than fully frosted. Um, and, and I think in especially the Polish tradition, um, they're often outfitted with a red ribbon around the neck, um, representing the blood of Christ. Also, the Polish flag is red and white. Also, also in some Catholic traditions, uh, Christ resurrected is carrying a banner with a cross with red featuring as the primary or secondary color. You can also find lamb cakes with with other ribbons for less symbolic decoration. Um, the lambs can also come in trippy pastel colors.
1: Hmm. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I have to do some more searching for these yeah. pastel colors. Definitely. Also a lot of a lot of bow ties I was noticing. Um
0: Yeah, well it's it's a it comes out looking like a like a bow tie when you tie the ribbon mm-hmm. in a in a bow. I don't think it's specifically
1: meant to be a bow tie. Oh, no, but I like to think it's a bow tie. <laughs> it looks like a bow tie. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, yes. I hear you. I hear you. Um, Well, what about uh, the nutrition?
0: Uh, I mean, it depends on what kind of food item you're talking about being shaped like a lamb. Or if you're talking about the the concept of a shape. Again, Mm. we're back in Phantom Tollbooth territory. Like, don't eat the concept of a shape.
1: Don't do that. Interesting. (laughs) Hmm, I don't know, Lauren. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, unfortunately, great travesty. We only have a few numbers for you. Only two. And they both concern butter. Yes. So one company called Danish Made reports selling 144,000 butter lambs a year. So that's something.
0: Another uh, called Malchetsky's uh, sells nearly 100,000. Um, so there are at least around 250,000 butter lambs happening around the United States every year.
1: <laughs> I like the use of the word happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just occurring. <laughs> just it's Just being born terrifying and wonderful and listeners look if you've been involved in any of this we have we've got to know about it oh,
0: Twenty thousand percent. i please. need to know
1: everything about your
0: shaped lamb experience
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in the meantime we we have some history for you <laughs>
0: we do uh but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsors And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that
1: repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of.
2: Zumo Play.
4: and we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you. So, as you might imagine, the history of this one is a bit messy and all over the place. Um, but we're going to do our best. Yes. Yeah. Favor always tries to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting with butter molds. Okay. 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 So, farmers first started molding their butter in order to sell it during the 18th and 19th centuries in both Europe and North America. At the time, farmers could use things like butter and eggs as a form of currency to barter with, and they might feel like it assured the quality and therefore monetary value of their butter products if they had something like a calling card or a trademark. Okay. Um, right. So they would make these hand-carved butter molds so that people would know, like, oh. This chicken one is from this place. They have great butter. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, These unique molds were one way that consumers could be assured that they were getting the good stuff or if they had, like, product loyalty or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. In order to accomplish these butter shapes, farmers would press the butter into carved molds, often made of wood, and then place a decorative stamp into the butter on the opposite side, um, on the exposed side, this was a bigger deal when the farmer wasn't directly involved in the selling process. Ah, so if they sure. weren't around, you know, uh, these designs helped customers figure out their favorite brands of butter. Uh, and the molds could come in a variety of shapes, including the lamb. Mm-hmm. However, archaeologists have unearthed examples of ancient molds for food shaping, going back to at least ancient Babylon. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like we've talked about it several times, especially at like those big banquets. Yeah, they liked they like to do this kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: perhaps um, perhaps especially once you get a little bit later into like aspects
1: and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Speaking of pictures, you need to look up. Oh my goodness! Yes. Aspects. Um, jumping ahead to the Renaissance, hand sculpted food molds were popular. Yes, at these banquets. Hmm. Specifically, the butter lamb is thought to have originated in Central and Eastern Europe. Though again, could have been happening in several places at once. Um, also, this is the fact that that, that <laughs> one fact is the what kept redirecting to a rock radio website. So just to put that little grain of salt right. out there. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I mean it makes sense to me, but I'm not sure why this one rock website was rock radio website. Excuse me, was the thing that kept popping up but here we are. As Catholic immigrants from Europe made their way to the U.S., they brought their butter lambs and traditions around these butter lambs with them. Um, Many descended from these communities. They still call the butter lamb by its Polish name, for instance. Uh, A part of how this tradition was born was almost certainly related to giving up dairy for Lent. Uh, One way to use up this dairy in the meantime was to turn it into butter. Yeah, uh, this would preserve the dairy until you could use it again after Lent
0: um, and would give you a nice treat on Easter uh, to help you uh, break your run of
1: abstinence. I'm continually shocked how many things, how many topics we cover where Lent is the key reason or some big part of the history of why it is a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, what about the lamb shape? Well, many think this is in reference to a line from the New Testament, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, meaning the Lamb is a symbol of Jesus in a lot of interpretations. Uh, Yes, the sacrificial Lamb is a symbol of sacrifice, but also goodness and purity. When the angel of death came for the firstborn sons during biblical times, uh, those that smeared the blood of sacrificed lambs over their homes were spared their firstborn sons were spared
0: uh yeah this is the uh the story of the passover um in the story of the exodus and uh right just just for example a lamb is still a symbolic part of the uh jewish passover seder for this reason
1: and jesus is often referred to as the lamb of god or our passover lamb uh
0: there's also the symbolism of god
1: as the uh, as the shepherd yeah lots of things going on Mm -hmm. um According to some sources, the first known reference to a prayer for the blessing of the lamb dates back to 7th century Italy. And two centuries later, it was adopted and roast lamb became a main course of the Pope's Easter dinner um, and remained so for hundreds of years. Though eventually a whole lamb was replaced with pieces of the lamb. And I have to say... I did go to the grocery store today, and I did get some lamb for Easter. Ooh. Uh, and I was looking up recipes for, like, how to cook lamb. And so many of them were, like, the rack of lamb, which was great. But I was like, no, I'm not. That is not-, that is not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one theory that came up a lot during this research is that for those who couldn't afford the meat of an actual lamb, they would bake the shape uh, in some type of food thing, or shape it into butter. Like, this is one way of sort of approximating what the Pope was doing. Sure, yeah. hmm All that being said, many argue that the origin of the cakes and similar shaped items uh, goes back to pagan times, when these items were burned in the place of animals in rituals. On top of that, due to its pastoral nature, the lamb has long been symbolic across many cultures— um, and on top of all of that was a practical reason. After the winter, lambs would have been one of the first animals available to slaughter.
0: Yeah. Um- Then, bringing this to the United States, um, there were huge waves of German, Czech, and Polish immigration to the U.S., and particularly to the upper Midwest, starting in the 1820s and continuing through World War I uh, due to a number of conflicts uh, going on in Eastern Europe. Uh, Then uh, Swedish, Slovak, and uh, Italian immigration ramped up after the American Civil War and continued on, um, and those who had these lamb-related traditions brought them over. By the way, this is a largely different episode, but lamb itself is still a pretty popular Easter, uh, spring feast meat choice outside of the United States, um, and was a more popular meat choice in the U.S. until about World War II. After which, synthetic fibers began replacing wool, and uh, and thus sheep farming became more rare here.
1: Oh. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: that's when the uh, Easter ham began to really ramp up as a tradition. Mm.
1: That's what we, yeah my family did. Yeah. Easter
0: oh, really? Ham. Huh. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm confounded by all of this. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, <laughs> um, in uh, ar- ar- around the mid-century, um, Nordic ware the creators of the Bunt Pan, um, they introduced a lamb cake mold. It was apparently one of their first products uh, in the early 1950s. And yeah, just for just for one example, um, there's this uh, Bavarian family bakery um, in the Chicago area as well called uh, called Dinkel's um, that started producing lamb cakes for Easter when they opened in 1922. They say that at its peak in the 1970s, they were selling some 12,000 lamb cakes every spring holiday season. Um, they still sell them today, but apparently only about 300 or so. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one of the biggest names in terms of butter lambs is Dorothy Malchetsky, uh, mentioned at the top. That's one of, our, uh, one of our two numbers that we gave. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, Malchetsky debuted her butter lambs in Buffalo, New York, at a store called the Broadway Market. Uh, These lambs had a few defining traits. A red ribbon on their back reading Alleluia or Halleluia, or sometimes it's like this little pin type thing. And Mm. a red ribbon fastened around its neck to represent the blood of Christ, as you said. Um, And people had a lot of nostalgic this was a very nostalgic item from the article. Yeah, I read. yeah,
0: I love so this. So interesting. <laughs> I love all of this, and and for serious, like the decorations of these cakes is gorgeous and bizarre and
1: wonderful. Yes, I'm. Again, you have no choice. You have to look it up. This is a homework assignment. Yeah, we are the- giving you.
0: The sheer range of expressions that can be eked out <laughs> on these little lamb cakes is just incredible.
1: It's just really a sight to behold. It absolutely is. It will change you. It will change <laughs> you. <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it. It's so wonderful and kitschy. And... um and, and, and really, right, just really nice. I don't know. I, I love I love these like family baking project kind of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me too. And again, listeners, if you have any experience with this or if you have any similar things or things that you do for Easter, um, my family used to always do the not nearly as exciting, but we would do the cupcakes with the. you would put the green shredded coconut and then the three pastel. M&M peanuts on top
4: oh, to be like you know an Easter uh-huh. basket okay
1: type situation yeah yeah and they are cute <laughs> <laughs> I that's wonderful yeah so if you get anything like that please uh, you, please let us know we really really love
0: hearing about that kind of stuff twenty thousand percent um in the meanwhile uh that's about all that we have to say about Lamb shaped stuff for Easter. For uh, now. For now. <laughs> Jeez, I don't want to close this door. <laughs> oh, never closed. Never closed. No. <laughs> um, we do have uh, some some mail from listeners who have already written in. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can
1: enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of
2: mo play
4: Calm.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with. snow, no. Oh. 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 Creepy. Oh. And, <laughs> and yet, hopefully, somehow, kind of cute. Pretty I don't know. Cute! Involves jelly beans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Involves jelly beans. <laughs> That sounds, I have a good friend uh, that could be on her dating profile. She <laughs> loves jelly beans. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> sure. Hi, Katie. You know it's true. <laughs> 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 um, Amy wrote... You asked if it was accurate that instant coffee was so heavily consumed in Australia and New Zealand. I can't remember the figure you quoted, but I visited New Zealand for a couple of weeks in 2019, and I can confirm that I was amazed at the ubiquity of instant coffee. Hotels, Airbnb, friends we stayed with, the only places we found that I would call good coffee, tasty when black, was in coffee houses, Also of note, we had a steep learning curve in ordering coffee. They don't make drip coffee, only espresso drinks, so for an American ordering coffee, they automatically made a long black or an Americano. We couldn't figure out why anyone would choose instant, but we learned there is a huge push to only consume food they grow locally. We went to multiple restaurants who made everything on site. Absolutely incredible. We expected the breathtaking landscape, but the meals are still something I dream about. That was longer than expected, and I'm sure you'll hear from multiple people, but your comment reminded me of such a lovely time. Maybe I'll brew myself some instant coffee and look at some pics. Oh You should. <laughs> I hope you did. Yeah. oh I love that. I love that. I I had the fortune to go to New Zealand, but I was only there for like a couple of days. Oh, uh-huh. And the food was so good. <laughs> it was so good i don't remember the coffee i don't think i was that into coffee at that point but uh just the the food it did taste very very fresh um and even like the kind of quick items i was impressed with a lot of the time Mm. oh that's that's
0: that's wonderful i've i've not been uh let's go
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Saber Ghost New Zealand. That would be the best. We could do that Hobbit tour. <gasps> yeah. Oh, uh. my gosh. Oh, and what we do in the shadows. I feel like I've watched Wellington Paranormal enough and they name these streets enough that I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could get around. <laughs> uh, but yes, a lot of people, as we said, wrote in about instant coffee. So we do have more instant coffee messages. We do. In the meanwhile,
0: Jesse wrote, When I was in college in the early 90s, I ran across a phrase from the movie Dune that got translated into coffee speak that I think you'll appreciate. It is by caffeine alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the beans of Java that thoughts acquire speed. The hands begin to shake. The shaking is a warning. It is by caffeine alone I set my mind in motion. If you can find the original sequence from the 1984 Dune, it
1: works really well. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And then Jesse followed up with the clip and it does work very well. Oh, <laughs> huzzah. Yay.
0: Yay. That was an
1: excellent reading too, Laura, really and everything. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. I just watched the new Dune movie mm. recently. Um, and so so my head was kind of in it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You were in the right space. Yeah. Right
0: <laughs> space. Yeah. That's a great I- quote. I mean also the David Lynch Dune is never that far from my heart. So
1: <laughs> I'll never forget. I think I watched it for the first time right when quarantine kinda set in. Oh. And I was like, All right. Toto. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's what I remember most of all. <laughs> they did the soundtrack. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, No. I very it. Oh yeah. It's sir. It's it's a very different It's <laughs> <laughs> very, very different oh, indeed. take on that property. Um mm-hmm. Goodness, mm-hmm. goodness, yes. Anyway, yes.
1: <laughs> anyway, foods of Dune. Perhaps that's an episode, but sure. All right, uh, before we get to that, in the meantime.